I'm Nicole van Dijk, a sports physio at the Aspital Sports Medicine Hospital in Doha, Qatar, and we are pleased to welcome Dr. Claire Ardern to this BJSM podcast. You might have seen or heard Claire speaking at Return to Play conferences recently. After Bern, Switzerland, she was in, at the Arsenal Football Club conference, and then recently the Isokinetic Return to Play conference in London. She currently occupies a postdoctoral position in the research department at Aspital after doing the bulk of her research at La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Arden is an emerging voice in the field of sports medicine research and her work focuses on the factors influencing return to play, particularly psychological readiness after ACL reconstruction, as well as shared decision-making and evidence-based medicine. Claire, welcome to this BJSM podcast. Thanks, Nicole. It's great to be here speaking with you and with the listeners as well. So first things first, Claire, I heard a rumor that uh, you've now joined this elite group of clinicians who feel they have to uh, experience the injury they're investigating. Did you recently tear your ACL? (laughs) Uh, I didn't tear my ACL. I have had a recent knee injury, though. So I guess, yes, I have got a bit more of a personal experience of injury, which in some ways is not a bad thing. It's always good to uh, go through what our patients go through, but I would prefer to have that experience minus the injury. So let's get into your research, Claire. Um, And I I actually want to ask you to help me with one of my patients. I've been treating Sarah. Uh, She's a 16-year-old football player and recently had a complete rupture of her ACL. She's a really motivated, talented young player, but now she's terrified that this injury will have a big impact on her career. And, And she keeps asking me, when will I be able to play again? So what do I say to her? Yeah, this is really, I think, a really common situation, isn't it? I'm sure there's lots of our listeners who will have treated patients like this and certainly will be treating patients like this in the future. And I think there's there's quite a few different areas um, and, and the point is that this is, it's complex and it's, it's challenging, but certainly Sarah can play again. There's no reason why she can't play football again, but there's a whole lot of other things that we need to think about as clinicians when we're managing that process and, and making decisions along the way with rehabilitation and return to play. And so I think one of the issues is about using a criterion-based progression rather than time. So it's rather than this question of when can I return to play, it's more about what do I need to achieve to, to make that safe return to play. And, and safety is really important because particularly as a young athlete, young female athlete, we're concerned about the risk of a re-injury. We don't want to send Sarah back on the pitch and then have her rupture her graft or rupture her opposite ACL. That would be a disaster. So there's a whole lot of stuff that needs to go into our planning and also needs to go into our education of Sarah, maybe her coaches, her parents, whoever's involved in that decision about her return to play. One good thing is that Sarah is really motivated and we know that motivated athletes are more likely to get back to play. So that's that's a good thing. But on the flip side of that is that she's really frightened about this injury happening again or frightened about putting herself in that situation. And we know that that negative emotional response can be really detrimental to someone's return to play. So we need to try and manage these emotions uh, through good education in terms of what Sarah can expect from her rehabilitation and from her return to play. And probably for Sarah, this is the first serious obstacle she's come up against in her life. So this is a huge deal for a young athlete. And I think sometimes maybe we forget about that as clinicians. And 
and maybe to us, we're seeing these injuries all the time. So it almost become become a little bit immune to the emotional response that it can have. So cluing ourselves into that can be really useful. So you touched on a few things there, Claire, but, but in a nutshell, so what's the really important thing for clinicians to consider when we answer Sarah? I think the first thing is that we need to consider athletes in a more holistic way. So not just think about Sarah's knee, but think about the other things that are going on in her life, the other, the biological, the psychological, the social factors that are influencing her decisions and also her return to play. Biopsychosocial models have been around for a while, but are we thinking about them differently now? I don't know that we're thinking about them differently, but certainly I think we're using them more and more in in sports medicine. They've been around in in healthcare for a long time. But for me, it's a really nice way to think about all of these different factors that we might need to consider for a return to play. And then with Sarah, we're also thinking about the long-term outcomes. Absolutely. And so that would be my second point, that we're thinking about the risks of her going back to play. So maybe we should be asking the question, not when does she go back, but should she go back? And there's no easy answer to that either. But I think we need to be cognizant of of the risks and the potential for a re-injury to the ACL, to the meniscus, to the chondral surface, and then what the implications of that are for the long term. And making sure that Sarah really is um, fully informed of all of the risks. So then you also mentioned the psychological readiness. And as a clinician then, and I want to now give my answer or give Sarah this information, are there tools we can use that helps us or resources that helps us to, to know if the athlete is mentally or psychologically ready? We have a couple of really good ones. And I'll, I'll probably pick out one in particular that's specifically ACL and it was developed by my colleagues in Melbourne Dr Kate Webster and Dr Julian Feller and they've worked together for for many years I would say around 10 years on this idea of the psychological impact uh, on returning to play after an ACL injury so their scale is called the ACL return to sport after injury scale and it really looks at confidence risk appraisal of the athlete so so how the athlete perceives the risks of playing sport and uh, their emotions attached to that as well. Is it easy to use? Yes 12 questions and it's free so you know you don't need to pay to use it every time someone has put it together as an iPad iPhone app as well where you can get that feedback of that score straight away. The questions are scored on a 10-point scale. And how long does it take to complete? A couple of minutes, if that. Uh, and it's also, I think, the the really good thing about it is that it is sport-specific and that's the thing that a lot of the psychological, the pure psychological scales are not about sport. So for athletes, it doesn't really make sense that some of the questions and these other scales are not necessarily focused on return to play, whereas the ACL return to sport after injury scale is. So that leads into my next question, because we're talking about ACLs, but can we broaden this to include other injuries? It seems like we're getting better with our management of other injuries, but or injuries in general, but what are we still missing when it comes to rehab? I think we can broaden this to other injuries. I think these issues are not just about ACL. They're about any 
serious time loss injury, whether that's a shoulder injury, a, a dislocation. Maybe the athlete has to have a shoulder reconstruction, a severe ankle sprain, a severe hamstring injury. It's just that ACL has been the model that this has been studied in recently. But absolutely, I think it applies across the board. I think in terms of management, um, there's a lot of discussion about time-based rehabilitation and criterion-based rehabilitation. I would be a big advocate for criterion-based rehabilitation, but I would put a, a caveat on that. And particularly with our young athletes like Sarah, we know that if they are returning to sport early, so before about 12 months, then their risk of new ACL injury is much, much higher. So we do need to be careful with some of these injuries that we're not sending people back too early. So not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of uh, the musculoskeletal and uh, the psychological training happening together, do you think we're improving that already? I hope so. I think as clinicians, we do it quite intuitively, but perhaps not systematically. And so maybe one sort of future direction is to become a lot more systematic with the way that we address the, the psychological or the emotional aspect, if you like, of an injury. And so it's really about um, considering these contextual factors in a more systematic way in our rehabilitation. Uh, can you give us an example of that? One great example is Derek Rose, the NBA player. So he ruptured his ACL just before the playoffs in 2012. And people who have seen me talk at a few of the conferences, return to play conferences recently, might be familiar with Derek's story because it, it really illustrates it really well. So he, he was injured. He went through the standard rehabilitation program that we would expect for an elite or for any athlete with an ACL injury and was cleared to return to play after about 11 months. But it took an extra seven months before he returned to the NBA and played his first NBA game. He had quite a bit of criticism for that in the media. Yeah, he did. And he was quite open with acknowledging that he wasn't going to return to the NBA until he felt confident to return and, and acknowledging that he was worried about a new injury. So, Claire, um, if we think about our return to play decision-making, who makes that decision then? Is it up to Derek or Sarah? Or what role do I as a clinician play in this process? Who makes the call? I think that's a really complex question. And I don't have a straightforward answer for that. I think each return to play decision or scenario is different. And that means that we need to figure out in that situation whose decision it is. Is it the athlete's? I would advocate that wherever possible the athlete is the one making the decision, but that decision needs to be an informed decision. So as clinicians, we have a really important role of informing our athletes. Certainly with Sarah, we would be wanting to inform her of the risks about going back to sport early, about the long-term risk of arthritis. If we have an athlete with a concussion, we actually might have a duty of care to make that decision. If it's concussion, it's not the athlete's decision. That's our decision as a clinician. So there are some situations where it is absolutely our decision to make. But I think in most cases, I would I would really advocate for the athlete making the decision in consultation with the whole team. So it's really a shared decision that the athlete arrives at. And that's based on evidence 
from the literature, uh, an informed uh, clinician helping to, to guide that decision making. So almost like informed consent, right? Absolutely. So it's almost like getting informed consent to return to play. We get informed consent before we do a manipulation as a physiotherapist. And maybe we need to think about this idea of informed consent before return to play. I would also say that the shared decision-making principle has been used quite a lot in healthcare. And there's a ton of evidence to show that it's really effective and it results in better outcomes for patients. And I think probably we can take some of these ideas and apply it in our sports medicine context and hopefully achieve some some good results. So that's a lot of information, Claire. Um, If we think about Sarah and and as a clinician now really wanting to give her the best answer uh, we can... How do we put all of this together? Can we really make sense of it all? Yeah, it's tough. It's a lot of information. Probably the first thing would be to go right back to Sarah's first question, and that was, when can I return to play? And I would say that maybe the question should be, can I or will I return to play? And our answer might be, well, maybe, but maybe not and acknowledging that not all of these athletes return to sport after an injury, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that the athlete has failed or that the rehabilitation's failed. There might be a whole lot of other reasons why return to play does or doesn't happen. The second thing would be to think about the psychological aspect as well as the physical aspect. We do the physical aspect really well as clinicians, but perhaps we need to consider the psychological aspect a little bit more systematically. And in doing so, we might be able to really optimise the return to play. And we have, we've talked about a great tool that we might use as clinicians to assess the psychological readiness of our athletes. So... uh, To sum all of that up, I would encourage the listeners to look out for uh, an upcoming consensus statement on return to sport after injury that will be published soon by the BJSM. And that came out of the Bern conference in 2015, where 17 expert clinicians got together and discussed a lot of these really complex issues and questions that we have about return to sport after an injury. Well, we certainly look forward to that. A big thank you to Dr. Claire Ardern for joining us on this BJSM podcast today. You've certainly made us rethink uh, return to play decision making. Thanks, Nicole. It's been really great. I I really love talking about return to play or return to sport. It's a topical issue, but it's just something I'm really passionate about. So, And I, I hope that some of this information is useful for listeners. Indeed, and look out for that consensus paper soon. Um, Thank you to the listeners for joining us on this BJSM podcast. For easy access to other emerging voices in sports medicine like Claire, look for the BJSM mobile app available for iOS and Android. Uh, We hope you have a chance to have a physically active day. (laughs) 